Maybe you, Tom, then, are to find a Bible at the old Heading train station. I was about to tell Utah and Aunt C about the song my Bible teacher, Mr. G, had taught me about the faith of Christ, based on Galatians 2.20 and nine other scriptures. But I abandoned that idea because the car pulled up to his cabin door. The next day, Rudy Alexander, who had come to Heading a few days earlier with the G's, secretly followed Utah and I to the station, and he almost convinced me to give up my quest. Rudy thought differently about the authority of the Bible than Utah and Aunt C and me, even though he had been attending Mr. G's weekly Bible studies for quite some time. I felt sorry for Rudy, but also slightly irritated. I felt sorry for Rudy because his parents were in prison, serving a sentence for a crime they had committed together. My Bible teacher, Mr. G, and his wife, Mrs. G, Rudy's grandparents, had taken on the responsibility of caring for Rudy during this difficult situation, and were always seeking to patiently teach him the truth of the Bible. But as I mentioned, Rudy could also be very annoying. You shouldn't have followed us, I said to Rudy. Grandpa told me that Utah was taking you here to find some clues for your book. You don't know how to write a book, Peanut. Leave me alone, Rudy. I said. I can't concentrate with you here. I've got to find the clues Utah says he left for me here in the train station. Peanut, you're wasting your time because the Bible is filled with errors. Besides, you might get bitten by the rabbit fox. Someone saw it a few days ago. I'm going back to the cheese cabin. Now that piece of news shook me up a bit. Something else that shook me up was Rudy repeating his favorite argument: the Bible is filled with errors. My mother and father had taught me that the Bible is the word of God and is without errors. Deep down inside of me, I knew this was true, but I didn't know how to prove Rudy wrong. I realized that I needed to be very patient with Rudy and to care about him. I was mostly concerned about where Rudy would spend his training. And I silently prayed for wisdom to turn his irritating questions about errors in the Bible into an opportunity to share what I had learned from the Bible with him. If only God would open his heart to listen. The tune to "The Faith of Christ" song kept going through my mind. I hope Rudy was exaggerating about the man spotting a fox with rabies. <laughs> I opened the doors. Utah had, as I suspected, left me a Bible, a spiral notebook and pen, and an outline of ten questions with first references about the two spies. I read each question aloud and carefully looked up each verse. Number one: Who were the two spies that Joshua sent to spy on Jericho in the Promised Land of Canaan, in Joshua chapter two? I believe it's Joshua and Caleb. Number two, when the king of Jericho discovered there were Jewish spies in Jericho, what woman did he ask about where to find them? The answer is Rahab. Number three, what did this woman do with the two spies? Oh, I know this. She hid them. Number four. Why did this woman believe that these two spies were from God and to be feared? Hmm. 
Oh, wait. They had heard about the deliverance from Egypt and the defeat of the two Amorite kings. Number five. How did the Jews find this particular woman and her family to deliver them when later God caused the walls of Jericho to fall down and Jericho was totally burned and destroyed? Scarlet Thread. Number six. When these two spies secretly left Jericho, after spying it out for Joshua, where did they go for three days before returning to Joshua and the children of Israel who were waiting for them on the far side of the Jordan River? To the mountains is the answer. Number seven. In Joshua three, what was carried in front of the two million Jews as they crossed the Jordan River to enter the promised land and approach Jericho? The ark. Number eight. What happened to the Jordan River when the Jewish priest, the Levites, stepped in to cross over? Hmm. I think God made a path. Number nine. When the Jews got across the Jordan River in chapter four of Joshua, what did Joshua tell the twelve leaders to take out of that river? It was twelve stones. Number ten. The last one says, "What do the children of Israel, the Jews, think of Joshua when they all arrived safely on the other side of the Jordan River? They feared him." I was feeling quite happy inside. <coughs> Strange sound outside. I looked up expecting to see Rudy and screamed as a gigantic moose was staring me in the face through an open window. I ran through a back door as fast as I could, leaving behind the Bible and the question. Hearing the sounds of the moose running right behind me, I ran until I was thirsty and exhausted, and was further alarmed when I realized that the moose was actually running away from something else. Oh no! The rabid fox we'd all heard about was now coming straight towards me and foaming at the mouth. I climbed a tree, feeling helpless and terribly afraid. Dear God, please give me strength. I prayed over and over. I began to sing the song I'd learned about the faith of Christ. Suddenly, the answer to my question about the faith of Christ dawned on me. I had memorized one of the verses Utah had left as a clue because it was the same verse my song was based on, Galatians 2:20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. The rabid fox began to try to climb the tree to come after me, and then suddenly seemed to change its mind and took off after a squirrel. After looking around to be sure it was safe, I climbed down the tree and ran to the cabin, nicknamed Charlemagne. And into the arms of my dear Aunt C, who assured me that the Lord was in control. I took a hot shower, changed into dry clothes, and Utah Aunt C brought me some soothing hot herbal tea to drink. 
I told Utah the solution I discovered to my question about the faith of Christ and how it related to the two spies and Rahab the harlot in Galatians 2.20. Rudy Alexander had awakened from his nap in the cabin next door that the Jews were staying in. The sweet aroma of apple pie bacon in Aunt C's oven drew him to their doorstep and enclosed porch where he carefully listened to our conversation. The old heading cat meeting train station was built back after the Civil War by the Boston and Maine Railroad, which is still in business today. The railroad needed a station here as they brought long, long steam trains from Boston South Station here to heading on summer weekends. Sometimes these huge trains contained as many as 15,000 people who came to Heading, New Hampshire to hear Bible teachers and worship the God of the Bible. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, and the story, I fell asleep in the overstuffed chair in which I had been sitting, feeling so thankful that God had once again opened my spiritual eyes to the truth of His Word, the Bible. Well, boys and girls, once again, we come to the end of our program. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, or if you would like a free audio CD of any of these programs, Please write to Treasures from the Bible, an outreach of Bible Ministries International, and Care of Family Radio, Oakland, California, 94621, USA. Today's program was number 078. The title is Moose on the Loose. May God richly bless you with His salvation. Thanks for listening, and be sure and tune in next week when we'll learn something new from the Bible. Bye.